welcome back to another episode of Come Over for Dinner. I am so glad you're joining me today. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is June Kern. She is a mother to four children and has been an art teacher for years to children. She is currently teaching fifth grade at Logos School. She previously was a homeschool mom to her own children and taught art classes for for them and their friends and has also hosted summer camps where she teaches art. And she also at the homeschool, or not the homeschool, but the ladies homemaking fair had a table where it was just all <laughs> kinds of really cool ideas for teaching art to children. So she's just a treasure trove of <laughs> ideas. Welcome, June. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. So you and I share some Southern roots, and I have grandparents, uh, South Carolina, Kentucky, West Virginia. You know, there's just a lot of Southern in me. But growing up in a city, I don't, I don't think I sound, you know. <laughs> so I've got four kids, and they're all very close in age. So we're just through upper elementary and junior high. You know, they'll all graduate within five years. So we're in a, I think personally, the funnest season of mothering. It, how could it get better than right now? Like everyone is home a lot and mm-hmm. um, lots of family dinners. Like, you know, we aren't in senior high sports yet where you see them at like 545 in the morning, they get back at 930. So we're right. not there. Like it's just, <laughs> so that's my life right now. And I'm teaching one of my own children. So very exciting. I'm with her all day. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I did the same thing for my daughter and son. It was a smaller Christian school. And I taught a combined fifth and sixth grade, and my daughter was in fifth, and my son was in sixth. Okay, and it was so that's crazy much fun. <laughs> I know. I kind of I knew it would be fun because when I homeschooled, it was ridiculous. You know, you're mm-hmm. just having a bunch of fun. But I thought, oh, will I be able to be fair, like on both sides? You know, and um, yeah, we mm-hmm. kind of. It's really fun, and yeah. she her little sweet smile. I just enjoy well, it. A it lot. also you have another positive aspect of it is you have all their little friends in there too. Oh my so word! So you really get to know who their friends yeah. are, and yeah, I just be able to spend time really, with them all day long. It's funny because I prayed, you know, for the kids in that class, and you know, you love your kids not because they're the most perfect, but because they're yours. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say I love you because you're mine, and God picked my students. Do you feel that way too? Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like. Yes. You're mine. Like, okay. I like you more. I like the other kids at this school, right. but my you're, class you're the, the best. best. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are the best second graders. Yes. <laughs> Out of I really all the feel second graders. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so how did fun. you learn art? Did you teach yourself or did you study art in school? Well, I grew up in a very creative family. So my mother is a exceptional seamstress like she sewed my wedding dress without a pattern and it was beaded and gorgeous and amazing my dad worked full-time you know he had a shop on music row in nashville tennessee where all the recording studios was were but he was a carpenter and he did carving he helped restore you know historic buildings in nashville but he made windsor chairs and he did a lot of lathe work everything Mm -hmm. in our life was kind of creative creative and all the time, my parents said, I would say, can I have that? And, you know, will you buy that for me? And they would say, no, we can make it. And so that, I wasn't like a great artist. I like to draw and have sketchbooks. But in college, I finally was like, I really, I, I went to a public school that didn't have great art classes, I guess. But in college, I was an art major. And I was not the art major that knew exactly like I wanted to be a painter or I just liked everything. Mm-hmm. So being an art teacher ended up being a good fit for me. When you make recommendations for art for children, for, say, moms or mm-hmm. people who are not an artist, but they want to do art with children, what would you recommend? I do remember your table at the Ladies Homemaking Fair, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of ideas, but yeah. I don't remember what they all were. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many best. So for a mother who's a little bit intimidated, right? I think, first of all, start with the end in mind, right? So God is a creator God. He made us. He paints a different sunset and sunrise every single day. So we're mimicking him. And so if we just decide we're not going to ever let the kids paint because it's a mess, we're not coming close to mimicking our father. Every night he paints a different sunset, right? And he's changing the seasons. He does the colors of the leaves differently. So 
to train a child up in the arts is to be faithful to, you know, in one of the many aspects of, of acting like our father. And so just a way is that when they're little, like get the washable watercolor paints. Little people love mark making. Crayons, nobody likes crayons. Don't get crayons. <laughs> <laughs> the only fun thing we ever did with crayons is we would is turn them. <laughs> this relates to cooking. Okay, so I'll this is my my tip. But get out your pancake griddle and turn it on the lowest setting. Like not even just like leave your hands on it, make sure it's not getting hot. Mm-hmm. Cover it with a big piece of newspaper. We all have like a thousand crayons mm-hmm. that we keep. We feel bad. We buy them because we all love the box, but we don't really like to color with them. So get that out. Put a big sheet of white paper on the newspaper. And then, and you, again, you're standing right there with your little four-year-old or whatever. And so it's not too hot. And then you take those crayons and they melt onto the paper. And it seriously looks like oil paint. Literally every day we were doing something fun and it's just... I had took an old unattractive armoire that someone gave us for free and we just filled it up with our art supplies. So we had this room kind of at the end of the house, right off the kitchen. And I found on Craigslist this, it looks so cute. It was like from Pottery Barn or something, but it was like the low big table. And we had like four little chairs around it and you could pull the white paper over it. So we would do like big banners or I would draw like a long street and they would make all their little cars and people and villages and and then there are seasons like that I didn't let them do it but we would always have an easel up mm-hmm. you know and just them using their imagination totally. instead of being bored or just sitting in front of a television oh no we never like that yeah like that was my parents we never had a television and so we just really learned to like play outside we have a big sandbox and mm-hmm. I wanted that for my kids mm-hmm. and then I wanted more of course you know you build on all that your parents give you so And this community, so when I was raising little children, I was listening to all the podcasts here and reading all of Miss Wilson's books. And, you know, one of the things that um, Pastor Wilson always said was like, yes, say yes to your children. Mm -hmm. And so whether it was cooking or art, it was like, you know, in your spirit, I I would feel myself clench and be like, mom, can we get out the paints? And I would want to say no so Uh, bad. And I would say, "Mm, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, it's just trying 95% of the time, whether it's art or cooking, to be like, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll do it. Well, a lot of times you build up in your mind that it's going to be this big mess, this big headache, it's going to be so hard to clean up, and it's really not. Oh, my gosh. No big deal. And, like, it's just joy, you mm-hmm. know? It was just, like, an environment where the kids – and now I'm telling you, like, every day, like, weekends, it is wild unbelievable crafting in my house. I cannot believe what my children are making and doing. And they drive the whole thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's not me. And I still though, like last weekend, my son was like, mom, I need you to help me. sew like this tongue for this tennis shoe that I'm redoing, you know, like he's super into shoes because he's a junior (laughs) high boy and he's doing all these custom shoes. And I was, I did, I was sick. I canceled on you last week. (laughs) And he was like, um, can you help me sew for like an hour or so? And I was like, mm, yes, you know, yes. <laughs> but it just get out of bed and do that. <laughs> yeah, you just end up with these skilled kids. That, and so creative. Yeah, very. I mean, who would think of that? That's so, Im- so imaginative. And they're developing into their skills into better and better and better things. They're not. Yeah. Still and we're not paints. in control of the mm-hmm. direct, you know, like, I, it's so cool to me to see all these different directions that mm-hmm. um, that they're going. Like, okay, so this relates to hospitality, and but I just gotten sick a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's the beginning of my first year of full time teaching since I moved here to Moscow. And my daughter came and she was like, "Mom, I really have a big idea that I want to do for decorating the table for fall." And I think it was like like September first or something, you know. And I was like. You do? Take me to the dollar store. I know what I want. So she got all of these little pumpkins, and then she took old sweaters and covered the little pumpkins and then gilded the the stem of the pumpkin. So they're these beautiful colors. So our table is like 
creams, but all these blues, like blue pumpkins. Best. Okay, I need to see a picture of this. I think I can, I can pull <laughs> one up. And then she was like, Mom, all I need you to do is sew a runner for me. And my kids are relentless. Like when they have an idea, and I wish I was this way because I'm really not. I can let an idea die just so I can sit down for a minute, you know, and they won't. But They hang on to it. They have the energy. Oh, my gosh. So she did like nine pumpkins and this big acorn and yeah, totally driven by things she had seen online, but then she made it her own. And I mean, we spent nothing on it. You know, it was all these fabrics we had, but the table is gorgeous. Well, it's, and to see the fruit of your labor of all those years of saying yes, when they were little, they have learned and grown to where now your daughter in, you said middle school? Yeah. Is yeah. able to create a beautiful tablescape for you. That's that, incredible. That was totally out of her idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like all those yeses. And I see this in cooking too. She's super into cooking. The Cooks Illustrated that comes to her house is in her name, mm-hmm. you know, the magazine. <laughs> and and she's the one driving, like trying new recipes. And it's funny how quickly like you're being pulled behind these these kids mm-hmm. that they're they're surpassing you in their desire to create and make and do different things. So it's it's a really exciting time, actually. It right? really is, yeah. because then you turn around, all of a sudden dinner's made, or, you know, she's made some new cookies or scones, yes. or it's just yeah. such a lovely fruit of all those years of you pouring into teaching her and letting yeah. her learn and being okay if there was if it's a mess, lots mm-hmm. of mess. And there's still Something mess. got dropped on the floor yeah. or whatever. We are blessed with a giant basement that all this crafting happens in, and Every Saturday, you know, we have to go down and kind of reset. It gets out of hand, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> well, and now they're old enough, too, that they can help pitch in and clean it up. You yeah. know, that's another big benefit. Oh, yeah. No, they're when amazing. You ha- when you're letting them do things, create and cook and all of that, they also jump in with the cleaning. And that becomes something yeah. that they can really yes. do independently as well. They do. Yeah. That I learned that from this community, too. You know, like Rachel and Becca talking about the second you clean up the living room, and make it really nice and you get all the throws, you are supposed to rejoice, you know, when they come in and because you invite them into that. So mm-hmm. when they come in and actually find it totally warm so I'm and inviting, yeah, and they start piling in with their puzzles. And books so for me, and, it's organizing the craft closet mm-hmm. and knowing that it will be destroyed it's because it's to calling be to them. <laughs> used. All yeah. the different children are going to come in and start pull- pulling things out and being inspired and creating. And yeah. So at our school, it's really interesting because when I homeschooled, I was too tired to really push into some of the more creative projects relating to school. And I had heard, because I had friends in this community, and they would tell me, oh, it's May, and we're doing these. (laughs) My friend Gentry, you know, she would talk about these giant craft projects her kids were doing, and I was not excited. through the school. Through the school. Because it was an assigned project. It was an assigned project, and everyone in elementary has these larger projects in May. I was not looking forward to it. And now it is like my favorite thing ever because it it pushes me past my lazy stage and my kids enter a realm that I did not even know existed. <laughs> you know, yes, like they're being really excited oh my and word. figuring out what to create for themselves. They, yeah, again, I'm drugged behind. I'm down there, you know, my son, the first year he was at Logos, wanted to make a 3D Greek trireme, which is a ship that has... 10 billion ores, you know, like all the levels of the ores. And he had to make everything he wanted to. Wow. It, but it, it just turned out so great. So anyway, but we're totally on a crafting. Where I'm, we're like, <laughs> <laughs> I could stay in this ditch forever. Do you yeah. have any homemade recipes for kids, like for Play-Doh or anything like that that you did when you were growing up? My mom set an amazing example here. Because, yes, we made homemade Play-Doh. And, I mean, I, just, I can, like, see it in my mind right now of her mixing that and then it being warm and adding the color to it. And so I definitely did that for my kids. And I have, you know, her, like, handwritten recipe that's been in my cookbook for 20-something years, you know, that I used with my kids. But um, she – we did something that I think universally is called making mixtures. You know, like, we would say, Mom – can we make a mixture, me and my sister? And she'd be like, sure. You know, we get out the flour and the sugar and the butter and just mix it up however we wanted. And um, 
And sometimes she would bake it and sometimes we'd just throw it away. But she just let us play with ingredients. And so I've always done that with my kids. And we had a neighbor when we were in Tennessee that was incredible at this. Like she ended up having a club for her son and my kids where they did this at around age 10. Okay. But they would go to her house every Tuesday afternoon and they would make a mixture. And it was a contest with the three of them to see who could make it taste like a cake. And they would actually bake this mixture. Oh, three separate. And and it, to this day, like she will tease at how much butter my daughter Virginia would use, you know? Like, and so I would buy her pounds of butter and just send it to the house. Still, my two younger ones say, mom, can I make a mixture? And I'm to the point now where they've had many years of fun. And I still say yes, but I'll say actually go grab the Betty Crocker cookbook, you know, like that turn cookbook it into a real recipe and pick really anything in there. You, you literally can bake anything in there and I'll help you get started. So, you know, there's kind of like a shift of like, you know what, you're actually to the mm-hmm. age where we're going to turn it let's into some do real some food where let's we all want to eat it. Yeah. So my mom, she had the Play-Doh recipe and she really let me try recipes out when I was very young. Mm-hmm. I, I, and she cooked everything from scratch because she thought it tasted better and because it was cheaper. You know, my dad was a carpenter and I think they were on a really fixed budget in the late seventies and eighties. And so, I mean, making biscuits was a economical thing Mm -hmm. way to fill out a a meal, but I think it has to have Crisco in it. Like I tried so long to use like the fancy lard Uh or just all butter. And I have come to a piece that I will die one day. And if it, if Crisco takes a little bit off my life, it's worth it. (laughs) It's worth it. So are these some, are you talking about biscuits, especially? Okay. Tell me about your classic. Is this passed down through the generations or what? Well, I do have strong feelings about biscuits, Bess. (laughs) I do. As most Southerners do. I have feelings about biscuits and I'm open to change. I really am. Cause I'm even this year, I've changed my biscuit recipe. I grew up with really good biscuit makers. My South Carolina grandmother was an amazing cook and just absolutely Southern. I mean, it was the stewed down vegetables that I adore. It was the fried chicken and pot roast and every single meal had biscuits, huge breakfast, always with grits, sweet tea at every breakfast, lunch, dinner. There was a huge picture, just classic South Carolina Southern food. And her biscuits were Crisco. And they had a very different texture and shape, I think, for me. So were they 100% Crisco, no butter? No butter, none. Okay. And I can remember her. She would have the largest container of Crisco because she she used it for all the time. Well, and she used it for frying fish and hush puppies. And that was a once a week meal at their house. They loved fishing. So, and all the fish was theirs that they had caught and filleted. Okay, so that's South Carolina grandmother, Nanny. And then there's my grandmother, who was from Kentucky, but she was a fine, and we're not talking rich, but there was something about her manners where she was a fine lady. She was a home economics college level home economics teacher, and her biscuits were butter, and they just tasted different, and they rose higher than Nanny's biscuits, and they were beloved as well. All better? All butter. Okay. Okay. So I've been making biscuits forever. Watch mm-hmm. my mom. Do you ever watch Brenda Gant? No. On Oh, Bess. What's her show? Oh, okay, Bess. is it a TV show? <laughs> she comes up on my um she comes up on my Facebook feed, I guess, and she has the richest southern accent. She's Alabama. Okay. And she teaches people how to make biscuits and she is a hoot. I have to look her up. And she calls Crisco grease. Like she oh. doesn't say she calls it and you get some grease <laughs> and you know, but, <laughs> and oh, she's just the funniest. But she's funny. Like she's she really inspires younger women to cook. I mean, that's her. You should check her out cuz okay. she's got a Really neat message and yes. very, and she just has her little iPhone in her little Southern kitchen and she's probably 75. I don't know how old she is, but anyway, I do it the way my grandmother in Tennessee, mm-hmm. who was from Kentucky did. And you have to be very careful with mm-hmm. your dough, just in the sense that you're not overworking it, right? Okay. Yes. And the it's way like you, scones like or something I typed else. up a recipe thinking about coming to talk to you about this. And I was thinking it's really hard to write 
what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. in that one step where you mix the your butter mm-hmm. milk in. Because if you overdo it, it makes yeah. them flat and tough. But this Brenda Gant, she has a bowl mm-hmm. that she takes, like a crockery bowl, and she puts a self-rising white lily flower, which you can't get here anymore, and I've come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. But then she puts her grease in, okay, and she fills that little hole up with the buttermilk, and then she takes a hand that is just absolutely covered in buttermilk and Crisco, and she mixes that by hand. But she leaves like an inch and a half that she doesn't even use of the flour so that the dough forms in the flour like a nest. And so you get your biscuit dough and it's sitting. And so then she just covers that bowl when she takes her dough out mm-hmm. and uses that bowl the next time. Oh. She just crazy just over and over and so over. different. So I I'm anyway, have to look that up. That is my, so interesting. The way I learned to make them was you know, you do the pea size butter, mm-hmm. and which I'm looking at your recipe. I actually do. I don't know if your grandmothers did it this way, but using the food processor, it is so easy. I to I love it. Turn your butter into this small, tiny little. I mean, you need it cold to turn yep. into little pea sized pieces instead of using the hand. So that's how blender. my mom did it. So we had the pastry cutter or mm-hmm. just a fork. pastry cutter. But she was making it just for a family of four for mm-hmm. the most part. You know, like. She, we literally just had it just puts it right on in there and it it breaks yeah. it. I mean you can do it for biscuits, scones, pie crusts. Have you ever heard of grating butter? I've tried it and it, I, it I don't love it. Well for you? No, I would just prefer my Cuisinart. It's so fast that way. Yeah, but if you didn't have one, my sister showed me that one time where you grate cold butter into I've, a yeah. recipe, or some people even do frozen butter. But you just grate it in and then mix it in, and it's similar to achieving the really small, yeah, pea-sized chunks that are you know, know spread thin or throughout. But you don't like it as well. I, you know, if I'm doing a really large, it's just too much butter to trouble myself with it. That's true. If you're doing a <laughs> lot, I, that that could be it too. If you're doing a smaller amount, like if you're doing a one batch of scones, for instance. Yeah, yeah. I did that exactly. recently. I you tried that. You just grated it really yeah. quick. And then you're, you know, because I was just making a single recipe to try this new recipe, you know, this yeah. new batch of scones. But if I was making a quadruple recipe, I would have pulled out my food yeah. processor. So I do my food processor and then I just dump all that in a big, big bowl. And mm-hmm. then I stir in the bowl and then put it on my counter to pat, pat it out. So, so what do you serve biscuits with? You said that one of the grandmothers did at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What do you serve biscuits okay. with? Well, we do not eat the way that my Southern family did. And so we only have biscuits every other every other week. So one of my kids begs for biscuits and gravy Sausage gravy. Oh, yes. And okay. So I just, so my grandmother in South Carolina, she grew up, her father was a coal miner and she was the oldest of many siblings. And so this sausage and gravy and biscuits, you can fill up a man, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's very filling. Stick to your ribs. Stick to your ribs. And so you can take one pound of sausage and get a decent amount of gravy and Three big pans of biscuits, and do you so, serve anything with it? If you do sausage and biscuit, or yeah, sausage, we always gravy have the griddle biscuits. going, and so you just—it's like eggs to order. Eggs, and so if I would do my biscuits and get them in the oven, I usually have a child browning. My kids can make the gravy now. Gravy is truly the easiest thing to make ever. It really is. People are scared of it, but it's pretty easy if you, you could try it a time or two. No, no, no. It's it. It's kind of no fail. Mm-hmm. Like you, the only thing you could do wrong is put too much milk in initially because it's hard to turn back. But if you have it too thick, you just add some. Add a little milk. Yeah. The other trouble is that if you were th- having a group of people over and you want to do biscuits and gravy, it gets kind of, kind of blubbery looking. <laughs> <laughs> like if you take 15 minutes to go welcome all your guests and come back and look at the gravy, you might not think you want to serve it. You just add a little milk because it can get really thick. Yeah. Here is my tip on biscuits. Like you could look at a recipe, you can follow it. But what my nanny did in South Carolina is she would get her pan that she was putting the biscuits in and pour Wesson oil in the pan. Okay. To where you have a glistening, like if you were to tip the pan, it would almost run, you know, not just buttering it where it's flat. And so in a cookie sheet, what's that cookie sheet size? Is that 13 by 17, 13 by 19? Mm -hmm. That that kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
maybe three tablespoons of Wesson oil. And so when you put the biscuit down in it, the bottom and you cook biscuits super high, you know, Mm -hmm. like 500 to 550, like very high heat, um, which is different than like a cookie or something. But Mm -hmm. The, the bottom of the biscuit is oily and really crunchy. Golden The brown, middle is crisp. super tender. And then that top is just, you know, so you want to eat a biscuit like right away. Mm-hmm. And then with the gravy on it, it's just that crunch of the bottom of the biscuit. Like that's my favorite part. And you want those different textures because oh my the gosh. gravy is that's, a soft texture. You need a little bit of crunch. Yep, it all works together. So amazing. I did. But my I have this memory of my grandmother in South Carolina she would go back to West Virginia for these family reunions, and they were in the hauler. I mean, like, if you've heard of a hauler, I've been there. <laughs> and people in the hauler put Coca-Cola in their baby bottles for their little, no. like, it is a different <laughs> oh, no. type of place. Or this is not a this healthy is Appalachia. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but she and her sister Peggy would cook for like 100 people all the meals. And they had this, they did not even have a kitchen best. It was called a cook shack because the family reunion was you're in the hauler and everybody brought a tent. And so my nanny, my grandmother, who was doing all the cooking, slept in a tent and I would drive up there and stay with her. And she had a like blow up mattress in her tent and she would get up in the morning and brush her hair and put a little makeup on at her little mirror. And then she would walk meet her sister, Ona, that was my grandmother's name, Ona Lee, Ona Lee Pitts, and then her sister Peggy, and the two of them cooked for that whole camp. And so when they made sausage biscuit, you know, when they did this gravy, it was in like massive cast iron. All this family would be there eating these piles and piles. Yeah, and so they were, they they were outputting this type of food, you know, just like it was no big deal. Yeah, like beans and rice with sausage and, you know, stuff like that. But anyway, I have good memories of sausage. That's incredible. (laughs) Well, speaking of food, we're we're already on food, but what would you create? What kind of menu would you create if you were having people into your home? What's one of your favorites besides biscuits and sausage gravy? When I was in college, friends were doing internships like in Washington, D.C., and it was the first time I had ever taken a trip. To New York City, we discovered all these ethnic restaurants. And so Thai food, Ethiopian food, and I just went crazy for it. In college, my first trip to England, I'd never had Indian food. And the spices mm-hmm. were amazing. Mm-hmm. So the recipe that I would share that I think is so fun to cook is like an African beef stew. It's it's a very familiar technique like that we're used to when we make a beef stew where you take like stew beef and you brown it. But instead of doing like just our typical salt and pepper and then adding like our carrots and which we do that too. We love that. But I've done a African beef stew where it's like coconut milk and they have like a special set of spices and I'm not even going to remember how to pronounce it. It starts with a B, but I've made it a lot because it's really good and it's really spicy. But in Nashville, we had this really great ethnic grocery store that was owned by a Middle Eastern man. And it really reminded me of like the teeny grocery store that I shopped at when I was a little girl. I mean, my mom shopped there, but her high school friend's dad owned this store. And so you went in and you had this experience where it's like this teeny little grocery store. He was the butcher. So if you wanted to cut a meat, he left the little teeny cash register and went and got your ground beef. But it was just so great. And so I hate these big grocery stores now. I really don't like it. You're just not getting personalized serviced and service like you could in a store like you So just when mentioned. my kids were little, we found this little ethnic grocery store in Nashville and it was a bit of a drive, but they had Amish chickens for like next to nothing. You know, I would go and buy like four chickens and the man would always give my kids candy like he was so happy to see my children but one of the things they had was an Ethiopian lady would make the the bread that goes with Ethiopian food is called Energia and it is like a huge round puffy um, pancake and so I would buy a bag of like 10 of those stacked up and take them home it's really hard to replicate 
that. And like an Ethiopian meal would take one of those giant pieces of bread, the energia, mm-hmm. and then it would have the dishes they were serving in mounds on that bread. And then they have these really cool brass trays and table stands. And then people would sit around this piece of bread with all these beautiful mounds of food on it. And so I just have tried it. And the thing that's super cool about Ethiopian food is it reminds me of my South Carolina Southern food. So they kind of overstew their green beans, Mm -hmm. but they're spicy and Ethiopian tasting instead of like ham hock green beans that Mm -hmm. I love, you know. Mm -hmm. But they had like stewed down. There's like a chicken dish called uh, Dora Watt, two words, yeah, that I love that you serve this like red spicy chicken dish with cut up hard boiled eggs on it. So that would be there. And then like three pretty bean dishes, like a bright yellow split pea, a lentil, and then this African stew. And so they would put all these different vegetables in it to like stretch out that beef. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love this stew. And so I've served it for like Sabbath meals, but you can make the energia. It's not really that hard to, they do a fermented bread. So the copycat recipe does not include all the deliciousness, you know, that not the, quite the, as good as the no, authentic. No, but you in a pan, it's just like making a crepe. It's like Ethiopia's version of a so crepe. Do you put your stew on it okay. like they do, or do you set it on the side? How do you serve See, it? See, I just do it more, you know, American. Like in a bowl, I don't and then have on the an, side is yeah, bread. Yep. So the way they do it is then you get these the bread they roll into these rolls. It's so mm-hmm. cool. And then you pull off a piece that's bigger than a silver dollar and you use that to scoop. Every bite you take, you're scooping it. You're eating with your hands, but you're not touching the food because you have a piece of bread in your hand. Sometimes I'll serve it over rice if you're trying to, you know, serve a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'll just serve it in a bowl with that bread. And then sometimes for my family, I've actually done the little pieces of bread and then put the the stew on it. So at Ethiopian restaurants, they serve it with, it's like an iceberg lettuce salad. It's not a fancy, but they slice, they have tomato slices and then like a vinaigrette on it. And so I've done that as a side when I've served that meal. I really, I enjoy ethnic foods and I think it's a way to kind of shake up your, Mm -hmm. your Sabbath. When people come in, they're not going to just made that at home. Really, really good. All the spices and the, yeah, it has tomato in it and I can't remember. I don't have the recipe right here pulled up, but well, that sounds really unique and very fun. It's easy. What kind of dessert do you serve with it? I guess it would depend on the season, and it's a pretty heavy meal, so Mm -hmm. you know something lighter. You wouldn't want to make like a three layer chocolate cake or something. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody would be able to eat it. My stomach hurt right now. (laughs) Um, No, you'd have to go maybe Maybe some fruit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe fruit. I think so. Yeah. Well, do you do any shortcuts or time savers with this meal? That can you make it ahead of time, or can you freeze it, or anything like that? That you oh, think gosh. like if you're serving a large this amount meal? of people? Oh man, this meal would, as they say, freeze beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> what movie was that from? That's from Steel Magnolias. It freezes beautifully. It freezes beautifully. Uh huh. No, I think this would freeze great. When I started teaching this summer, I'd even just gone and made a big beef stew because my Kids love that for mm-hmm. lunch. And so, um, yeah, it would freeze really well. This You could definitely make ahead. So it sounds like you're mixing Southern with Ethiopian. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on. Any other things? Did your husband bring a different something to he, the table? Oh, yes, he does. He had a grandmother who was from Germany and so we have inherited the most amazing German food traditions. His grandmother's sister would come and visit from Germany when I was just starting to have children. And so oh, wonderful. I know. It and was, she was cooking in the kitchen, yes. I imagine. Oh, my goodness. And so one memorable visit, she would fly out to Oregon where his family was. And I was in Tennessee and I thought, I really just need to get out there. And so I took Virginia. I only had one baby and we flew out. And so it was me and baby Virginia and Tante Krista. So, and Oma. So the German grandmother was there. And then my mother-in-law 
you know, was hosting us. And um, so we just cooked German food. And this was like foreign to me. You know, it was so cool. And so one of the things that she made, it's so funny how God gave us all these ingredients all around the world. Mm -hmm. And so one culture does something with them. And even if it's different, but it's reminding you of things in your culture. So she made these German cabbage rolls. And so you mix up like a pork and I think it's pork and beef. I'm going to look at the recipe. Yeah, it's a mix. And it's got like mustard in it, chopped onion. It's very simple, right? It's it's not. And you make a mixture of that. You think kind of like a meatloaf idea, mm -hmm. but then you wrap it in. So you have to parboil the cabbage leaves. It's a bit of a to-do mm -hmm. um, to soften them. But then you roll them up and they almost look like egg rolls and you put toothpicks in them. And then you kind of pan fry them so that the cabbage gets a brown. But then you're also creating this really nice, you make kind of a roux with the drippings in the pan and you add, I think, is it bacon? Oh, yes, it's bacon fat. <laughs> and then there's the caraway seeds that always are bringing out like a German flavor. Mm -hmm. And then you put, so you make that sauce and you put all those cabbage rolls back in there and you let them cook until that beef is cooked. It's just delicious. And the other little thing that now my daughter can make it really well is the spetzla. And so like when we think about having mashed potatoes as a side, Germans have spetzla. And so it's, you make a dough that, how thick is it? Like thicker than a milkshake, but not as thick as like biscuit dough. It, it, you could pour it. Okay. And so it has a little bit of egg flour. It's very, very simple. But then there's like a little tool that sits on top of a pan of boiling water. And so you pour the dough into, it's almost like this, it looks like a cheese grater, but it has a container that holds the dough over the grater. And so you move the grater and little squiggly dough falls into the salted water. Let's see, I think you cook it for like three minutes. And the thing that is super cool is that I have the recipe like from his grandmother. And I think it cooks for like three minutes and then you strain them out. What's that tool that you, not a sieve. I know what but you're a, talking about. Yeah, we there have like an antique one, it. so it's really fun. And then, you okay, so you set all those aside in a colander, right? And it, it takes a while to cook them all. So you end up with this great big mound of spetzla. And so the Germans do different things with it from that point. But mm -hmm. one of the things that we like to do is then you fry it in butter and then it has like that gravy from the pan goes over it. And it's it super delicious. yummy. Where yeah. do you find those special tools? Like you said, oh, the, 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 especially the one. The spatula maker mm -hmm. that you. The grater oh, that has. I'm sure Amazon. We could look it. one up right okay. now. Well, you'll have to send me a link so we, I don't know what it would be called. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. It's a fun thing. And this time of year, Oktoberfest, this, we get real hungry for like German sausages and cabbage rolls and spetzla and rouladen. That's a special dish. It's very special. It's expensive and it's like a beef roll that Ian's mom makes and that has mustard. And I think the last time she was here, she and Ian made them. And that's the thing that's so fun about these recipes when you're teaching your kids to make them or like when they taught me, mm -hmm. it's so social. Like mm -hmm. you have a Pilsner and you're, you're the baby's being passed around and you know, it's just like the making families these, doing oh, it together man. and they're and learning the smells, recipes yeah. from their heritage. Yeah. So we have some really crazy different influences. We've got the German and the Southern and, and we love the ethnic food. Yeah. My kids really love spicy too. So that's something that when people come over for dinner, I have to remember not to put so much cayenne and red pepper. <laughs> your kids don't mind. <laughs> oh, no. That is unusual. But if they've grown up with it, I have heard that. Like, you know, say you go to India, babies are sitting there eating curry oh, yeah. that Americans would Couldn't just handle. not be able to handle because no. they're not used to it. <laughs> right. Well, my little fourth grader, he they have the individual little Tabascos that you can get at Winco, but they like to keep them in their little lunch bag so that they can... I don't know if they're that's just amazing. showing that's, off for their friends the or if they really love a fourth grader doing that. <laughs> yeah, he does. He loves he loves the spice more than his siblings even. Yeah. Wow. I know you're very hospitable. You have a lot of people over to your home. What is your best advice for prepping for crowds coming in? Because you're already a family of six. Yeah. You're now teaching full time. Okay, here's my tip. And it's kind of weird. And I learned it from here. And it's it's not as a tip as you'd think. We do like to have things ready when people mm -hmm. come in. 
I don't do a great job. I could grow in the area of juggling the cooking. We have a kitchen that's very compartmentalized. And if I'm still cooking in the kitchen, there's nowhere for people to go. Mm -hmm. Like I'm bumping into everybody. So I really like to be done Mm -hmm. and to have things tidy. Yep. And early on, again, listening to podcasts here, I just made a rule for myself. So my tip with hospitality is if you can't be sweet to your children and respectful and kind to your husband the whole time you're getting ready for hospitality, that you can't finish that sentence, then don't do hospitality because we're called to hospitality. So the answer is get your attitude right. Mm -hmm. And that was so sweet to me is that discipline and obedience of like you treat your children sweeter than you will treat the third graders that are coming through the door tonight. You can't be barking orders at everybody and then that door open and you pretend like Mm -hmm. you're in fellowship. Mm -hmm. So that muscle grows to where it's back and forth. Like God calls you to more and you bark at somebody and you go make it right and you ask for forgiveness. And that's my tip for hospitality. Is there hospitable to your family? Absolutely. And And stay in fellowship. Yeah. And then your kids enjoy. So I really love getting ready for Sabbath with my children. Like the music's cranked, the house, you don't know if you're going to make it, you know, like <laughs> the foods, like it's just a it's funny a race time. To the yeah. Line. So, what specific um, tasks do you give your kids? The girls are especially great at the table. We did that early on. I love having names on the table. I'm really bad at names. And coming to this community, the age I am with the the age my kids are needing to be attentive to them, it has been really hard to learn names of these families that have like four to seven children. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the things my kids will do is we'll get names on the tables. My girls make real pretty little name things. A thing that I don't always do, and I'm, I still am like looking for a board that would be really pretty, but I will take a board, and if it's a larger group, I will write all the families' names on the board, and I put it behind the buffet so that as people go through the buffet, they can look and remember. And this came to me when some friends from our little church that we're at had her family over, and they were from Indonesia. And so her family had names that were hard for me to remember, and to see it written out helped me. So that is a tip. But Getting ready. I mean, everybody can clean a bathroom. Everybody now can. They've done these things for years. And so rather than me barking the orders, I really let my husband. I'm like, hey, what do you want? What do you want us doing? And he's like, okay, you go here. You go here. You go here. You go here. If you teach a job too late, it's not interesting. But if you teach an eight-year-old how to iron napkins, it feels big time. Mm -hmm. And so I've always taught my little, not little, but Right where I feel like they're handling a knife well, I'm going to let them try the iron on something flat. And then they're really excited they about it. They are so excited. As, as opposed to, say, a, I don't know, 14-year-old who's not excited about it at all. Okay, I have a funny story for you. So last week, teaching full-time, it's hard to give up some of the, I do like ironing, but I'm not ironing anymore. I've found ways to get around it by being attentive to the dryer. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I have taught my children to iron, but I ran down. I mean, I'm telling you, it was 6.15 in the morning. It's early and I needed to iron something real quick. And so I have a habit when I turn on a cold iron, I just lay my whole palm flat on the iron. And then the second I can't handle it is two seconds before it's ready for me to iron. So I'll just like put my hand on iron. And so I ran downstairs, I plugged it in. I just put my hand flat on the iron and it was red hot. <gasps> my fourth grader had gone down there and ironed a shirt at 6.15. <laughs> and had unplugged it and put it away and you didn't know it was too like hot. five minutes before. And I, it just burned my palm. It was not, it wasn't one second before. It w- it was barely burned it. But I got so tickled. I was like, what have I done? I have a fourth grader who irons his shirts, you know, before this is- <laughs> going to school. Okay, that's incredible. <laughs> that's weird. That's weird, Bess. <laughs> but anyway, so those are the things. I'm Iron you know, shirts and Tabasco sauce. Yes. A, a picture is forming. And I do not always iron napkins, but um, 
that they know how. They know and how. That's really that might be a incredible. job they would be doing yeah, on a Saturday they can help before. Set the table. Oh man, yeah. Get the cute little name cards or make them artistic and all the things. Yeah, they have the tablescape already set up. Your daughter does. <laughs> Now my daughter, yeah, she's doing the beautiful centerpieces and stuff. It was a real fun time when they're just getting into it and you're kind of letting them. You're like, okay, you can use any china you want tonight. Like, how do you want to set it up? You can, you know. And then being able to make the decisions is really fun because they they really take ownership of it. take ownership. And they're super proud of it. And then the people that sit around the table, you're like, you might not know, but Olive set the table tonight mm-hmm. and she cut the flowers out of the yard and you know and then it's then really she's impressive like, yeah. and she's glowing glowing excited that yeah. she got to do it yeah that's really so fun. what is your best advice for showing warm hospitality when people come into your home you've mentioned some things already for the ladies that come having something on their plate just a notepad or i think having people's names there there's a real warmth even the way you seat people, you know, You've I think thought it through. Who's going to enjoy? That's right. Of honoring certain people, and they have and, a place to go sit. They know where they yeah. are supposed to be, or where to set their purse or their jacket if they have a name tag. We've worked hard on that because our house it was very different style than our old one, and we've had to kind of hustle to have those things. And there's like a lot more snow gear, so to, for people to have, we're still not there yet. We have a lot more to do, but. It's been a long time since I've had babies, but one thing that I do is I try to think through the age of the little ones that are coming. And so in my, this is something very fun. So in my dining room, I took the table that my children did little art projects. So I had the big art table, you know, in the side room where we did art, but there was always a very small table in my kitchen so that if a child wanted to sit down with a snack, there were two small chairs and a small table, like right at this little window. So I brought that here, not having people that were that size anymore, but I repainted it so it would look nice in my dining room. So I have my formal dining room, but in the corner, there's this little black table with two little black chairs. And so if we have a two and a three or four-year-old that come to Sabbath who don't need to sit in a separate room, you know, like we usually put our middle-aged children at the kitchen table, which is in the next room. But it's really fun because we can decorate their little teeny table. And sometimes and they probably feel so big sitting at they their feel own big. table. And with sometimes their own my Olive, who is my second daughter, she is amazing with children. And so she will sometimes sit with them at that little table. Which is such a great um, help to the parents. Oh, yeah. They're not having to hold them in their lap yeah. or maybe have them in a big chair that they're having to stand in. Yeah. Or just It's just too big for them. Well, and I found here a high chair and we have, there's like a little papa's on for if somebody comes over with a newborn and we have a basement so I can keep these things even though I don't have a baby. So mm-hmm. that's one way. And then my favorite thing is we inherited a house that has more closets than any human deserves. Like it's really incredible. There's a lot mm-hmm. of storage. And so right next to where we have our coat closet There is this closet that is all my baby toys. And so when we moved to Idaho, Ian was like, why are we bringing Duplo blocks? Why are we bringing baby toys? Like we do not have a baby. And you are are getting past this stage. And so Bess, when little ones come into my house, you know, I say, I am so glad you're here. Would your mother mind if I show you this closet? You know, and it has a little step stool. And so I say, you get out. And and I'm also a type A person. So I say, get out a toy. And when you're done, put it back and come get another toy. And we have this kind of dropped living room with that's carpeted. And it is like the sweetest thing to go in there. And it's such a safe little area for those two and three and four-year-olds. And, you know, they've got the Duplos out and they have... All of my favorite little, you know, and there's this whole collection of baby books that, you know, I have like lined up on one of those little shelves. So anyway. Well, and what a sweet thing to save to hand down to your children one day. Well, they'll be trash by then. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. In this community, we're using, but that's my theme is use it up. I probably Mm -hmm. heard that here too, of like. Pull out the chine. Yeah, that's why right. I always Don't felt really good. No, up nothing high in a closet and clothes. It it is so true. If you have china from your grandmother, use it up. Toys that your children play yeah. with, unless you're saving it to hand down to them, and you know they're going to use it. And one day. I I do have but, a couple of those things, and I just don't. 
I don't put them out. Times if you save it, save it, save it. Like if you have grandmother's china and it's never, never used, nobody wants it because there's no memories. No, there's no memories. Nobody remembers it even being grandmother's china because it was never used. It's meant to be used. So I totally agree with you. Pull out all the things that you treasure and love so much and use them. Enjoy them. Well, and that's the other thing is I think ladies our age can really model. The thing that is really sweet is that we can model to younger mothers when their child who was not misbehaving, did drop something and it breaks, that I go to that child. It's only happened a couple of times. But it's like, I could care less. Let's clean it's this okay. up. Let me get you another one. Is these, this china, like, it's meant to be used. I'm going to be in heaven happen. with you and not this cup. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was never that I was going to be in heaven with this mm-hmm. cup. So yes, hold it loosely. Very. Yeah. So I think just having that tone in your home that children are welcome and that you have a place here. I knew you were coming. Your name is here. You know, it's funny. People are so hungry for that. We have a church, the little church downtown that has a lot of college-age kids and more international people coming that are the coolest couple from China that got saved, I think, here when they were in, they're both PhD geography. Interesting. Yeah, very. We have not had them over yet, Bess. And I'm like, it's funny right now going to church because there's so many people that you look at and you think, you need to have a meal in right. my house. I need to invite you over. Wait, my southern and you, guilt. And you. <laughs> my husband doesn't have, he's funny, he doesn't have a southern guilt complex being from Oregon. But, <laughs> <laughs> but as southerners sure do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is your must-have kitchen item and where can we find it? Okay. Well, first of all, you know, I was thinking about all the things that are different about our kitchens than, say, 150 years ago, just to have a sink. I was thinking every single thing in my kitchen, what a gift. And I love my Cuisinart, and I love my blender. And I mean, there's just so many great things. But I did think of my favorite thing, and I'm not sure any of your guests have said this. So I had people in my 20s that sold friends a sister, and this old Cutco knives? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. I know about Cutco knives. Do you know about the Cutco kitchen scissors? Do you have no, a pair? No, I do not have a pair. They are super expensive if you're going to compare them to a pair of scissors at Walmart. I think they're like 75 knife, But they last a they, lifetime. Okay, here's what they do best. I use them probably six times a day. I use them for everything. So you can take them out in your yard. They're heavy duty, so you could... I've always had an herb garden. I don't have a proper one here, but I would go chop flowers and herbs, Mm -hmm. but you can cut chicken with it. They disassemble, so you wash them in separate pieces, and they hook on in a way that they never come apart when you're using them, but they're very, very easy to take apart. my sister has these, I'm pretty sure. They are. sounds very familiar. But here's the thing. Like if you get a Cutco product, its warranty is good for life. So and I have had it for you. Yeah, like you can send it back. All in you do is and they'll pay a nominal sharpening fee, and they really do last. This is a actually long a time of year that this is a, a great gift. Warranty. Everything in my kitchen is like wow. I'm glad I have it. But those are like just they're a handy dandy. Use them ten times a day. Like I when I need another pair. Oh, in their bread knife. Yeah, my cheese knife. I think it may have been a gift. And then the Brett, my nephew for a short time sold Cutco mm-hmm. knives. Yep. And I bought from him the bread knife. I use it all the time. Oh, all yeah. the time. Well, and do you send it off to get sharpened? I haven't yet. You've got to. I need to. They will literally, they will sharpen it. But and it then still when, seems sharp, but yeah. it, it probably really. Is it the long could, one? Mm-hmm, it's the very so I've got long like one. This, I've got that one. The short one. I bought it's the also, long one because you can, it's long enough that, you know, when you have to you cut a cut cake, cake in half. Uh, th- it, uh, oh, you're not having to do like one side and then the other and it's uneven you no, can it's just amazing. go all the way through and then of course it cuts any size their bread knives bread. are really it's good really great yeah they have like i know this is gonna sound goofy and the cheese knife if you don't have a cheese knife by the way you need a cheese knife yeah you know if you don't even if i have you've never like used one you you don't know what you're missing See, out on. i don't have the cheese knife this okay How do you cut cheese like terribly, now that I've had it sticks one. to the. <laughs> oh, 
a cheese knife, you can cut it as fine and thin, and it does yeah. not stick because it has the opening. I will say I use the side of my grater. You know that weird diagonal slice I've never that you're used like, that. why is because it Because I guess I have the cheese because knife. Because you I'll have, have the, to you try don't need, that. Yeah. Okay. Because if I'm doing a ton mm-hmm. of slices for like grilled cheese and- You can use that. I don't. Yeah. I ha- I need, I'll try that just to okay. see, but I, I kind of think my cheese knife is better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely need to buy that. It is the hole in my collection. Uh-huh. <laughs> And it literally has a hole. It, it looks does. really That's weird. A, I think it's kind of put me off. I don't like no, the hole. It's so it's so perfect. Okay, it, it, because it, I guess it's yes, it's created there. So as it cuts, it has the hole sit there. So as it it's cutting, it doesn't stick. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. And it doesn't t- like just pull and tear the cheese. I really don't know how I cut cheese before. <laughs> I'm literally <laughs> going to probably have to like years. buy that like today. <laughs> And yes, they I feel have convicted. the one I have is has like the comfort handle. It's, it's oh, yeah. like a oh no, the cutco nice. or rubber or something. I mean, okay. I guess you could get a different handle, but I really, really like it a lot. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out. For, so for yes, the so so your top okay, recommend yeah. is the is the cutco cut scissors. Scissors. I'm not gonna lie. So you're gonna go buy the cheese knife. I'm gonna buy the scissors. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know you're running the show, but I do have a cleaning tip for you. Okay. Okay. Like you, the cleaning tip. Best when you said that it reminded me of of this memory that I have, but it reminded me of when I was a newlywed. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think I had a baby, and it was one of the first times that my mother in law had come to a newer house that we had in Nashville, and I fancied myself a a clean mm-hmm. wife, clean my house, but she always jumps in. This past week, she was she was here cooking. She's amazing. She's great in the kitchen. We discovered in my drain that there was a bean that had been sitting there so long that it had sprouted and had green leaves growing up through the little silver drain. Like the bean had gotten caught (laughs) in the green. So I had not cleaned my sink in so long (laughs) that beans were sprouting leaves. (laughs) So when... Oh, so what's your hot cleaning tip? Clean your sink. Clean your drain. (laughs) (laughs) So ever since then, I have like, I scour. I mean, I'm not. How do you clean your drain? So you're talking about like getting your hand or something down in there? No, you you know the little silver, the the silver drain um, or the, the, what's the right word? You know, like the thing that catches food. Yes. Why can't we think of that word? Like a strainer. A strainer. A strainer. strainer. No, it had lodged in the strainer. So what that tells you is that I had not lifted the strainer to oh, clean. I'm not talking about special techniques here. You're not here. talking about like down in a garbage disposal no, or something. No, no. Yes. I'm just talking about basic lift your... Um, mm-hmm. And your, scr- when you're cleaning and, the sink, lift that up, scrub all and around just it and down cl- below Just it. clean your sink, period. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So anyway, well, no, when I was tip, thinking... You can throw those in the dishwasher. Oh, yes. And you now... You can throw your strainers in the dishwasher and they come out And I put my sponges clean. in the dishwasher. Yes. yes. So I like now scour with like a Clorox. And to clean down mm-hmm. in your drains, you can do boiling water. Some yes, people definitely. Grind, like for to clean their disposals, I think they can grind ice and. Oh, okay. Um, I, th- I think I've heard lemon peels. Yeah. I would Google and make sure. Or We've maybe had read your manual issues. just to make sure that it can grind up. Because I think similar to lots of things that we have in our house, there's di- there's some garbage disposals that can handle anything. Yeah. They're just really top line, top, top notch. And then there's others. It's like, well, could it really could it? grind up a lemon rind or eggshells yeah. or all the things without so it depending clogging? on the quality. So depending on how old yeah. it is. I don't know. I don't want to recommend that. But ice would, ice would be fine. Clean it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, my cleaning tip is just clean your sinks. You mm-hmm. know? That is a great tip. And don't, something we forget don't about. Don't let plants sprout in your drains. <laughs> Well, it's good your mom discovered it versus right. you know the you know new guest that just walked in. Well, it was my my mother in law did not disown me, so to her credit. That also reminds me of a hilarious time though that she was also at our house. She always shows up to help when you're in the trenches. So she had come when we were packing to move, and I was fully eight months pregnant, and my husband was going on a sailing trip, and we had ripped the kitchen out of the house we were in to put it into the house we were moving into, which is a weird thing, but our house had been flooded and then we rebuilt and then the city was going to re 
like buy our house. Anyway, we found ourselves in a situation where I was with my mother-in-law fully pregnant and with no kitchen. And I just have these sweet memories of the two of us doing all the dishes in the bathtub for like a whole week, you know, while we were waiting to move. At least and waiting. you had a friend. She was a real friend. With. And then it, the tip is wash your bathtub. You know, like. And the drain. And the drain. But yeah. That's yeah, pretty good. No. Yeah, and, good. and don't tell guests that you washed the dishes. There the were bathtub. no guests that week. No. Even though it was really clean. Oh, no. That was funny. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day oh, to join welcome. me and tell us all your Southern tips and German <laughs> tips and Ethiopian tips. I love it. It's just so unique and such a fun and different way to do hospitality or yeah. just different ideas of food to present yeah. when you do hospitality. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for joining You're me. You're very welcome. Until next time, bye for now. Bye.